0: To the Coast to Coast Podcast. My name is Kyle.
1: And I'm Misha. And today we'll kind of be having a more casual episode. Um, we just discovered a bunch of feedback from you guys on our anchor messaging system that we'll kind of rifle through. So we'll do a lot of listener mail. Um, and we'll also go a little bit into the buildup for award season. Um, but before we get into that, uh,
0: what's new with you, Kyle? Um, so today um, is... MLK Day. Oh, yeah. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes. And it's also gun rally day here in Richmond. Yikes. Yeah, I went to work a little bit this morning. Just kind of like did a little half day. um, And pretty much downtown is super congested. And not that I really care about gun control as much as i probably should i don't know Mm -hmm. but it just seems maybe it's just coincidental that it happens to also be on martin luther king day and there's some some issues there but if you're in the richmond area don't go downtown yeah i mean i saw it on like local
1: news here in the bay area so i think it's making news pretty much everywhere but do you want to give people kind of some context as to what's going on and why it's happening so you saw the the Richmond yeah I saw that like the mayor of Richmond and the governor of Virginia were basically like warning people Wow about the the, like potential for violence from these like pro-gun groups essentially
0: yeah so so yeah again it's pretty it's a gun rights rally here in Virginia um, and if you're, if you're not familiar, Richmond is the capital of Virginia, and it's pretty much where there are speakers and then there's the attendees. They're all protesting um, a series of gun control measures that are pretty much like making their way through the current state legislature. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit concerning because over the past few weeks, there's been like white supremacist and some members of anti-government militias and, like, other extremists that plan to, like, be in Richmond for the rally, yeah. which um, obviously is pretty frightening for people who are there that are either of color or who oppose the um, gun These control. These types of groups. Yeah. yeah. Um, because if you're not familiar or you don't really remember – um, there was a big incident in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. That was about three years ago Yeah, um, where there Dang. was a rally there. That and feels actually. so recent. But, yeah. yeah, I definitely remember Charlottesville. I think most people do. Yeah, and Charlottesville to Richmond is, like, less than two hours maybe. So um, the state has been pretty good with, like, setting up security perimeters around, like, the Capitol grounds. And um, they claim that they're banning weapons including, like, firearms from the area. Um, The area inside that perimeter. You can have guns outside of the perimeter, they marked, um, but not inside. And um, I think everyone's just trying to, you know, hopefully it stays peaceful. I haven't seen anything that has happened since, like, checking Twitter and the Internet. Um, But it seems like it is pretty congested. But anytime there's a bunch of people that might disagree with one another there's always that <laughs> that concern that something might happen yeah definitely well i hope everything stays
1: um you know like you said peaceful out there uh, i think there's also a bunch of marches going on here in the bay area i mm. think mainly just i don't think centered around anything quite like the gun control issue in virginia but today is kind of one of those days that's kind of marked by its activism and um I know there's like a march in oakland um where there's also the issue of the i don't know if you saw that story about those moms who were being like forced out of the vacant home in oakland it's kind of become familiar somewhat national news but yeah big day for activism i think just across the country in general (laughs) Hmm. and then the niners won here in the bay area yeah that was a big deal they have a pretty good chance i think yeah they they won pretty handedly. Um Their defense has been insane, and their run game is also just incredible. It's not like Derrick Henry where there's like one sort of like bell cow back that mm-hmm. carries the team on his back, but they just, like, cohesively as a unit, they they perform really well. And, I mean, they pretty much blanked the, the final score of the Packers in the Niners game it didn't really reflect how the game went.
0: Right, and obviously with the Titans, you know, they have that great back, but... You see what mm-hmm. happens if you're able to stop stop him, then they kinda leaves the team pretty empty. Unless it's yeah. just like I mean the receiver receiving core isn't that bad. Maybe it's just Ryan Tannehill. But <clears throat> Yeah, I mean I feel like he just hasn't been like asked to throw the ball as much in the playoffs.
1: He he had mm-hmm. a pretty great year during the regular season. And AJ Brown, I think, is that receiver, the rookie receiver that you might be alluding to, who had a really great year. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think the Chiefs, yeah. So it's gonna be the Chiefs, Niners in the Super Bowl, and uh, while my allegiance isn't really to either of those teams, I feel like I'm kind of expected to root for the the Niners being in this area. But mm-hmm. I'm still a huge Andy Reid fan from, you know, obviously the Eagles days, and I think it'd be really cool to see Andy get get a ring.
0: Yeah, I think if the Titans would have won, I would have rooted or yeah cheered for the. Um, Niners,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I think since the Chiefs won, they'll probably pull for them.
1: Yeah, it would have been cool to see the Titans maybe pull off some sort of like Cinderella mm-hmm. playoff run, but I think kind of regressed to the mean. Uh, I don't know. But also, in other sports news, I don't know if you saw this week, but Philip Rivers moved out of the San Diego area and moved to Florida. <laughs> okay. Um, and I know that Tom Brady, the charges has been one destination that has been tossed around a lot. Um, so it seems like that the probability of him ending up in California on a Californian
0: team kind of jumped a little bit, but I thought he just moved because the team's going to LA not because he's like retiring. Is that what they're who, uh, to? Rivers? Yeah. I don't know. He, like he said, the move was to try to get back
1: closer to home. I don't know. I guess, is he from Florida? I'm not sure. I think sure, he's yeah. from the south somewhere. Um but he said what it means for football, like I don't really know. Interesting. But, I mean he's got like I don't know if you knew this, but Philip Rivers has like twelve kids. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I think anytime you move with that that <clears throat> many kids, it's like it's a pretty semi permanent or permanent move.
0: So Yeah, so he's we'll from see. uh Decatur, Alabama, and he went to NC State for college. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so definitely Eastern United States. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, under children has some, and then there's a button for more. I have to go to a <laughs> second page. So that's any indication. Jeez, good for him. Yeah, I think good for his wife. Maybe. <laughs> but at least,
1: at least like two yeah. of those kids will probably end up becoming professional athletes. It's probably
0: my. Yeah, I guess the more guess. you have, the higher the probability of them yeah. going pro. He's just he's – just, it's his retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. In the I've, world of, like, sports, like, we haven't really talked a whole lot about it on on the podcast. Um, yeah, but... I hope you guys are okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, this is kind of, like, just kind of chill. No real, like, script here. Um. I know we kind of talked about the uh, McGregor fight and how quick that was. Oh, yeah. And um, I see a lot of people online that are they're like, oh man, what a waste. haha, all these people spent like 60 bucks for a 40 second fight. And it's like, to me, someone who I'm not like super big into UFC as yeah. other people, but um, I watch it on occasion and it's, it's more than just like the main event that you're paying for. It's just right. like you get like five plus hours of prelims and of like backstories so it seems like the people who are just saying that maybe aren't as experienced in the world of fighting and just i don't know yeah i mean
1: the longer the longer you don't tune into the fight the less valuable like the amount of time that you're like you know what i'm saying like the less you you tune in you're you're like wasting your money like of course it's a waste of money if you just pay 85 bucks for and then just watch the the mcgregor fight yeah yeah um but, I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as UFC fights go, I think this was one of the, le- like, lesser entertaining fights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if you watched in the undercard, but, like, specifically the Raquel Pennington and Holly Holm fight before. I saw that one, yeah. McGregor fight. That one was pretty boring. Um, and I don't think, like, the referee really, you know, did as much as he could to make an entertaining fight. Right. Um but, yeah, people saying that the McGregor fight was, like, boring or a waste of time are crazy. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, it was enter- anytime there's, like, a knockout or a TKO in a championship, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, what was at stake what was on the line for McGregor, like, if he didn't win this fight, having already lost to Khabib and, you know, Nate Diaz previously and coming off of the Mayweather loss and kind of his prolonged absence from the, from the league, Like, Mm -hmm. he really had to win this fight and in a dominant way like he did. So, I think it just sets up, like, a really entertaining fight against either, like, Jorge Masvidal, who in his own right is, like, a star in the UFC now, or possibly even some sort of Khabib rematch. Mm -hmm. So, I I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, and I have uh, ESPN Plus. So, even, like, I think the pay-per-view for me was only, like, $30. -hmm. So, I really don't feel like I'm wasted any money. Yeah, I
1: I don't have ESPN Plus, so you have to like you have to pay for the membership to ESPN Plus plus the price of the fight if you want to watch a fight. So that was kind of a big chunk for me and I ended up watching mm-hmm. it somewhere where I didn't have to pay for
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. <clears throat> um if you want, we can kind of we don't have to do all the listener um Mail at once we can maybe do one and then jump around a bit if you'd like yeah let's get let's dive in yeah so again you can send us your feedback your questions on twitter at coast podcast or if you're listening on anchor there is a messaging section on there and i apologize if i if i didn't see yours before um i guess there's some notifications that i had turned off because i also get (laughs) notified every time someone listens to the podcast and we are very appreciative for all the feedback and everyone listening. But sometimes, um, I don't need upwards of, you know, a couple hundred notifications a day. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the first one that we have, um, let me pull it up here. This is from at Gish Galley. Sorry <laughs> if I uh, pronounced your name wrong. Um, you said I present you all with this challenge you are in charge of assembling a comedic heist film using supporting characters from any TV show or film who is in Kyle and Misha's 11 and what are they stealing so um, 11 as in like Ocean's 11 yeah it's like that Kyle and of? Misha's apostrophe S 11 okay So Great. Um, terrific question uh, there's there's so many ways that you can kind of go. Um, I'm gonna uh, we, okay. Well, first rule, I think we should actually have a no superheroes restriction. Um, oh man, I think that might be too easy. Yeah, that like kind of defeats the purpose of a heist, right? Like uh, like if it was me, I was like, oh, I'll have I'll have Spider Man and and Blade, <laughs> <laughs> and leave the other uh, nine slots empty. Okay. Um, if you want to increase the degree of difficulty, we could do maybe like only TV show characters, or if you want to leave it open, we can do TV show and movie characters. Yeah, let's leave it open. Okay, the TV show. And I have screen. an idea of who I'd, who I'd add to our team. So who's your, do you want to, is it going to be our, we pick 11 collectively, or do you want to do 11 individually? Yeah, let's do 11 collectively. Okay. Honestly, I would have trouble getting to 11 already. <laughs> yes, yeah, <yeah>, it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but my first one would probably be so you obviously need some sort of like brains of the operation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in this comedic heist team you kind of take brains with a grain of salt but I would pick Alan from ha- like the hangover series <laughs>
0: uh-huh. the leader um, of our
1: wolf pack yeah the leader of the wolf pack just cause t- some of the stuff he proposes in the films are just like wildly criminal and like just outright hilarious mm-hmm. Um, Not to mention I could see him like solving heist problems with like the numbers floating around his head Like yeah. when he's like counting cards and blackjack. So I'd add him to our heist team
0: Are we including ourselves? Is it like nine people plus us? <laughs> yeah, okay. I think so. Okay, so that makes it a little bit easier So we have Left. me and you and then we have alan Okay um also going with the comedic effect Um, I am recommending Jason Mendoza from The Good Place Mm. I think his his wildly inactive brain might help us out Um, plus he's pretty good at throwing Molotov cocktails (laughs) if you've seen that so I think we can maybe use him as like a distraction or yeah if if you ever need to create a diversion yeah I think he might be a good diversion tactic for the team um. So that's gonna be my fourth. Our fourth team member is Jason Mendoza. Hmm. Who do you want for number five? Good question. Because I'm trying to find,
1: you know, like in these types of heist films, there's always like someone that plays, you know, you, people fit into certain archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um. So we've got the brains. We've got a diver We need some sort of muscle, right? Yep. Um, So I don't know if you'd call this guy a superhero, but I was thinking, like, Drax the Destroyer from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm
0: -hmm. He's not really a superhero, is he? I don't—in terms of him having superpowers, I don't think so. So I could see him as, like, our muscle,
1: because he's obviously played by by Dave Bautista, Uh and I think his sort of, like, no-nonsense, overly, like, literal take on things would come in pretty— would for a great comedic effect during a heist, so uh I doubt him Drax yeah. did
0: well, even Dave Bautista as a character in w w e would even i think that would work. oh okay, yeah, I guess that counts um another muscle guy for me um I'm gonna go with tormund from Game of Thrones, I think he kind of like Drax is pretty fearless. Um, can probably take a few few blows if he had to. again, with the, with the, the heist, we would kind of want to be stealthy, so he kind of lacks in stealth. But I think he's just someone that if we were to get into a situation, he'd be pretty reliable. And you could count on him for his fighting skills and fighting skills, yes, and to get distracted easily by big women yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> so uh so far we have uh, the two of us we have alan from the hangover jason yes. from the good place dave bautista and then torment as our muscle okay, that's so six. is that four that's four six total four characters six total yeah gotcha
1: okay so in any good heist you also need a getaway driver
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I was going for pure skill i'd obviously go like ansel elgort's baby driver but Mm -hmm. one for the comedic effect here so i think i'd have to pick DoPinder from the deadpool films yeah just for his his commentary and
0: uh taxi driving skills nice yeah so another part of that question is what are we stealing so did you have any ideas of what we're stealing with with our 11 hmm I mean obviously like crown jewels are pretty popular but as a comedic heist film huh I don't know it might be fun the biggest supply of sour patch kids (laughs) Yes, we'll go with that. So with the driver, that leaves us with someone a little bit more like methodical, um, definitely who has kind of done maybe this type of thing before. That's a little bit more of a veteran. And for that character role, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. He's okay. kind of always been... Like super good with um task, he definitely has a lot of experience, he knows how to make a bomb out of anything also pretty <laughs> pretty um stealthily, I'd say um might lack, seasoned veteran, yeah, might yeah. lack in like mobility, but as long as we have a good driver, then that's fine,
1: yeah, and you can make those kind of like cynical old man wise cracks
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Hmm. What else are we missing in terms of skills on our on our heist team? We've got muscle, we've got a distraction, brains, getaway driver.
0: We need someone maybe that could work from like a remote location that maybe would be good with like computers, or mm. maybe someone who can like plan more of like the logistics behind the heist. So, who would that be? Um, I don't know.
1: I'm thinking also of another slight, like, diversionary character Mm -hmm. in Melissa McCarthy from the movie Spy. Oh, yeah. Kind of, like, hides in plain sight as sort of like an unsuspecting, like, middle American woman
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and is really like a trained. CIA agent
0: almost like a uh, Sandra Bullock Miss yeah
1: or like yeah. the female Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm.
0: cast members or, yeah Sandra Bullock from Ocean's <laughs> whatever seven that or, could be one yeah <laughs> um hmm so that leaves us with two more right mm-hmm two more to go so uh, I guess with my last pick of the 2020 heist draft I select (laughs) Hmm. I think it would be funny um I don't know are we trying to fill any more like archetypes or
1: well I think you said
0: somebody like behind the scenes like computer nerd style yeah so who is a big TV or movie computer nerd that also has a little bit of like comedy. Maybe Chuck from
1: the hit TV series Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a geek, but I guess he turns into more of a spy, right? Yeah. He's not really like that like hacker.
0: Honestly, it might be kind of funny to have um what's his name? From from you. Oh yeah i, I what can't, is his name <laughs> i know his season two name i don't remember his season one name um joe goldberg yeah joe goldberg so i think it'd be yeah, kind of cool to have no, joe that... goldberg
1: because he's not really like a comedy character but his sort of like intense stalker personality might be something that would be funny for like the other characters to
0: right like, like he's remark like, on or like... <laughs> yeah he's like explaining something like i see that you do this and <laughs> I wonder what that means. And you just have like a the like, camera like shoots over like Tormund and He's just like, I don't know. Okay, weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking his his giant's milk. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe Goldberg from uh, you would be my pick. So our final pick is Cardi B. Cardi B.
1: Mrs. Mrs. Irrelevant. I don't know. I just think her like she's just hilarious as it is Mm -hmm. in kind of her like loud obnoxious sort of way Mm -hmm. and I think adds a little bit of energy that doesn't really the other characters don't really get you there and we need a diverse range of uh, you know heist characters and I think our lineup right now is mostly men and mostly Mm -hmm. white so (laughs) (laughs) true true we'll add Cardi B for comedic
0: and loud effect yeah well good so um that movie, coming to a theater near you, never. <laughs> Although, not a bad idea.
1: Starring uh, Jason Mendoza, Tormund Spain, Alan from The Hangover, Cardi B. Who else do we have? Dave Bautista.
0: Mike Erman Trout. Darpinder. And Joe Goldberg. <laughs> all
1: trying to steal <laughs> the world's largest supply of Sour Patch Kids for Misha and Kyle's benefit. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and we're there too. So fun. So I guess it's it's funny because this is the second listener feedback that I got was um, mm-hmm. revolving around heist. Um, the other one is from – let's see it up here. Um, from Lauren. Thanks, Lauren, for uh, submitting that. It says, how come there haven't been any good TV shows about heist? There might be some good foreign shows about heist – Um, but the only ones I could find that were from America were both from the mid-2000s. Both of these didn't even last a full season. I'm thinking a six-to-eight-episode Netflix show, which would be enough time to get the backstories of all the heist crew and the details of the heist, but not too long where it drags down the middle. What do Hmm. you think? So so now we kind of introduced a heist team where this question now kind of wants us to dig a little bit deeper and maybe... Pitch the show to a showrunner. Yeah. Well, to me, I, I
1: think we'd want to, like, address this first question is, like, what, how come there aren't any good TV shows about heists? Right. Um, Like, I think part of the reason is because,
0: like, I feel like you'd run out of content for a show like that. Right. Um, yeah, like, it's more for, like, a movie. You have an hour and a half, two hours to kind of...
1: Yeah, the the medium isn't really... You know, like fit for that kind of story, unless you're going like seriously deep into the, like the back history of all the characters and stuff. Um,
0: Which that, at that one point, idea, like who would care?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think it would be cool the level of detail that you could put into some of the sort of like textbook heist events like within a story like Mm -hmm. putting together the team and like casing a place and like figuring out like the test technical aspects of because sometimes in those heist movies they just have the answers and you're like okay how do you figure that out right and i'm sure real heist
0: take weeks of planning
1: yeah yeah if not even more than that yeah yeah um to me like a format that i think could work like you were saying this sort of six to eight episode netflix show lauren I don't know what your thoughts were here Kyle but I was thinking something a bit like um I think it's FX's American Crime Story series Mm -hmm. where in each season they're kind of um tackling like a different story with a different set of characters or even like True Detective would be another example of that um where it's like this time it's a heist in like like a remote like country setting like 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 an oil field or something and then there's like an urban one or then there's like an international one um i think breaking it up in the seasons where you don't have to rely on like trying to generate three seasons worth of content around like one group of characters or one single heist like i think it would be cool to have
0: individual stories i don't know what about you kyle um so I really enjoy heist movies in general, so mm-hmm. not that I always think about what I would do if I were to have a heist or if I were to <laughs> have my own heist movie, what would it be? Um, but I've kind of thought about it in the past, and I think a cool scenario. Um, I also like characters that have really obscure and unique names. Mm-hmm. So for my show that I'm going to pitch, um, I think the main character's name will be Mitch Casino. <laughs> 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 um, And so pretty much how this show is going to go, it is going to be like that six to seven episode miniseries type thing. It's not going to be okay. multiple seasons. I think it's just going to be a, a miniseries. And there's, of course, he's going after priceless jewels. Classic um, fair. These jewels will be vulnerable f- for for one week only. Um, and after that, they're locked away in this vault for forever. The the caveat and though to no this th- is that none of his members of his crew are available during this one week window. Uh, so it's like the replacements so yeah we'll say like one retired um maybe two are in prison from a previous job and then <laughs> we'll say like the uh, like a five-man crew the other two got married and they're on their honeymoon or something um, but yeah he definitely wants to do the job Mitch Casino wants to do the job and he needs a new five-man crew <laughs> And the only person on Earth that he trusts to do this right, besides his team, is himself. So, Classic. So we're going to get into a little bit more, maybe not science fiction, but there's this mad scientist who, I don't have a name for him right now, um, but Mitch met this mad scientist maybe during a previous job. And his solution is cloning. So the idea the show will be called Clone Heist by the way and okay. um, really uh, took some risk with the name there <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, um so pretty much the mad scientist can say you know I can he can make 5 Mitch clones to assist in the heist but there's two small <laughs> catches the first one being that he can only clone someone one time which means that to get the other Mitch, they'll have to clone the clones, and then <laughs> each time he, he clones someone, the clone loses ten to fifteen percent of the original's brain power. Okay, so, so you've got like
1: a you've got like an array of Mitches with incrementally decreasing amounts of
0: IQ. Yeah, so Mitch has to try to get all these like progressively dumber Mitches in line. <laughs> One week to pull off like this, this whole heist, and um, n- the dumbest ones keep locking themselves out of the warehouse, and it's a whole, th- it's a whole thing. But the show is basically like- Ocean's Eleven meets <laughs> Multiplicity. Okay, with Michael, and King. who would play Mitch? Um, for sure, Jason Statham.
1: Really? Okay. <laughs> you know who I think we completely neglected in our list of heist characters. Dwayne the Rock Especially. Johnson. Well, I think The Rock would be good in any movie, but um, I'm specifically thinking of the usual suspects and Benicio del Toro. Oh yeah, with his like super thick accent that no one understands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think fi- like five Benicio del Toros running around that, each progressively yeah. dimmer would also
0: be an interesting twist. There you go, Netflix, cut the check. Let us let us, premiere, <laughs> let us premiere. Let us <laughs> premiere Clone Heist. Starring Benicio del Toro, times five. Times five. Elizabeth. All right, yeah, I like that one. It's interesting. Did you come up with that on the spot? I've a little bit, yeah. Again, I've I've thought about some of these before. I can tell. Um, <laughs> um but yeah. So thanks again for that question, Lauren. Um, the next question is from Jason. Not Jason Statham, I don't think. Or Jason Mendoza. Or Jason Mendoza. Um, so this one says, this is the lifeboat question. Okay. And there's there's always, we've used these this theme kind of like, or everyone has growing up. Like, oh, you're stranded on an island, you can only take one thing, what would it be? Or you are stranded on a boat and you can only save one person, who would it be? This is kind of that same thing through different shows that we've either expressed our interest in, or um, maybe Jason has like my TV login. He knows what shows I'm watching. But his question is through a series of events too dumb to explain, um, we have Cousin Greg from Succession, No Ho Hank from Barry coach steve from big mouth and henry jennings from the americans are all trapped on a sinking boat you can only fit one of them in your lifeboat who do you choose hmm. um so we can obviously yeah. def- I have, i'm not like a huge proponent of big mouth i i have watched it and i enjoy it but we c- we can maybe substitute that character for someone else if you'd like no i'm cool with it We I just mean... use him to, th- to leave in the ocean because we don't care
1: yeah, he would probably be the first, if I'm just using process of elimination, that I'd throw off the lifeboat. Um, just because he's kind of just, like, hapless and idiotic. Like, I don't really know what, besides, like, maybe a laugh here and there, what sort of value he'd bring to my, like, lifeboat situation. So I'd probably eliminate him off the bat. Um, but, <laughs> like... So I've only just started season 2 of Barry so I maybe I'm missing like a season's worth of context when it comes to Noho Hank but he'd probably be my early like front runner um to save cuz yeah to save yeah. cuz he's just like he's like pretty polite and in almost like a comedic sort of way maybe just because of the set of circumstances that you find his character in Barry a lot that mm-hmm. it's like it's not overtly funny but it's funny given the context um but yeah, he just seems like a super nice guy and also capable of like killing someone if you need to. So I feel like he'd be a he'd be a direct contributor
0: to the survival situation. So to, for me, um I I assume that we're talking about like present time. So since The Americans is set in the 80s, yeah, Henry Jennings is like <laughs> in his 50s. Yeah, he's like 50. <laughs> by now, so I think he's had a tough life. <laughs> it might be time to maybe let him go. Um, so he can Yeah, s- and who knows what he can contribute like physically to the team, you know? Right. And then Coach Steve from Big Mouth, I don't know, I I don't have a whole lot of interest in that character. <laughs> um I'm I'm not even entirely sure he's mortal to even begin with, if you've seen <laughs> Big Mouth, so Maybe, maybe he'll be fine. He'll, like, end up floating on, like, a piece of driftwood somewhere.
1: That's a good consideration.
0: Yeah. Um, um, so what I, are your
1: thoughts on Cousin Greg? I feel like he's the only one we haven't really touched on.
0: Yeah, so that leaves us with Cousin Greg from Succession and Noho Hank from Barry. Um, so on HBO, these are probably two of my favorite characters on HBO. And I think both of these people... Both of these these two men are i think entirely too nice of people to be like wrapped up in this this uh hypothetical here um I don't know that's why maybe i would I would leave myself out on the lifeboat and let the two of them maybe journey <laughs> safely to shore two. together as I sank to the bottom of the sea no um that's cheating. But
1: I don't think I'd be as prone to sacrificing my life for two fictional characters, but
0: hmm.
1: <laughs> I see your point. Um know. and I haven't really dived full on into succession, so I like affinity towards cousin Greg isn't as strong as mine is for Noho Hank. So that'd be my vote. i if you're wondering, I would bring Noho Hank in my lifeboat with me.
0: Yeah. Just imagine a Barry succession crossover i'd watch that (laughs) um so yeah jason thanks again for the question very interesting hypotheticals keep those coming and then we have um two more um one seems to be directed at me um alone so we'll start with um one for both of us it's from at two time x star okay. thanks for the, the the message on twitter it's saying I've had this question rattling around my brain since fast and furious presents Hobbs and Shaw came out if you get academy award winning actress Helen Mirren to play Deckard Shaw mom who's on the short list to play his dad my money's on Patrick Stewart but I'm sure I'm missing an obvious gem or two Hmm. So, I think thinking about it, and maybe just from retro actively seeing Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw already, Helen Mirren is a pretty solid casting choice, I think, for Shaw's mom. Especially from seeing The Good Liar, I think she would do pretty well in that role. Um, Wait, has she been cast?
1: As that character,
0: or is this just a hypothetical? You mean in Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. No, she was the mom in Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen that one yet, but yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I'm just thinking because Jason Statham is like kind of notoriously bald. Maybe there's other bald actors <laughs> that could be <laughs> playing his dad. So my first thought goes to Bruce Willis. Um, actually, both of my two. Thoughts are Americans, like as if maybe because he's British, um, Mrs. Shaw, like kind of gallivanted with some scoundrel American dudes. Uh Um, So, obviously, the bald part makes me think Bruce Willis, and then the like scoundrel part makes me think
0: maybe Harrison Ford. Um, So, you would see because they would also have to be kind of um, because Helen Mirren, so they would have to be in a relationship with Helen Mirren as well. Right. Yeah, apart. I could see either of those. Okay. How old is Helen Mirren?
1: <laughs> 70s? I don't know. Yeah, 70s, maybe 80s. I don't know. She's
0: getting up there. Good for you, Bruce Willis.
1: <laughs> I mean, let's not get it twisted. Bruce Willis and Harrison Ford are both pretty old as it is. That's true. Like Harrison Ford, I think, is like pushing 80. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's... uh. Yeah, I think those are two two good choices because the actor in question needs to be believable. Mm -hmm. Um, Has to be a person capable of one being worthy again, like we said, of Helen Mirren, and then two, capable of creating Jason Statham (laughs) in terms of like his physical prowess and fighting ability. Right. Yeah, Um, I mean, I feel like
1: mm -hmm. like Bruce or Harrison kind of fits those
0: bills yeah i say i think those are pretty pretty two pretty good choices um what, what do you what do you think so from a the first pot thought that popped in my mind w- when we even kind of talked about it earlier was michael kane <laughs> um if you're not familiar with michael kane he's been around seems like forever um and there's a whole like recent history where he plays alfred and batman and he actually plays scrooge in a muppet christmas carol that kind of like, really yeah <laughs> i don't remember that yeah. yeah um but there's did you ever see Get carter
1: Oh, that sounds super
0: familiar i just watched coach carter for the first time really with samuel <laughs> yeah. jackson yeah wow so get carter is it's on netflix and i think i saw this when i was just like one of those dreary maybe like saturday afternoons or nothing else to watch and again maybe there's some recency bias behind it but it's it was in the 70s with starring michael Caine, and he plays like this cold-blooded london like gangster
1: mm-hmm.
0: um But maybe because I'm trying to find, like, an older British guy to cast. But if not Michael Caine, then definitely Bruce Willis or Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of the older, like, James Bond actors could be somewhat believable. Like a Pierce Brosnan? Um, Well, Pierce Brosnan might be a little young. But, I mean, if Helen Mirren's character was Robbing the Cradle, potentially. Mm Mm-hmm um sean connery makes sense although i think isn't he scottish i can't really remember yeah um obviously roger moore r.i.p not in the running yeah um but maybe timothy dalton i think he was only bonded once or twice but he's kind of up there age-wise i could see both of them you know maybe being one of those characters
0: cool it's settled book it book the the sequel <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw 2 And then our final piece of listener mail that we have um for today is from well The question is it says as a fan of Dwayne the Rock Johnson and as someone who has never s- no wait yeah as a fan of dwayne the rock johnson and as someone who has never seen a single episode of ballers i come to you with a simple request what is the craziest thing that has ever happened on the show If you can't pick one single thing i will accept a top three i don't want to watch the show but i desperately want an answer to <laughs> this and feel like you all are the only or you are the only person who can help me okay um, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Help me. So, have you have <laughs> you seen Ballers on HBO with Dwayne The Rock and Johnson?
1: No, I've never. But that makes me equally as invested into this, <laughs> In question, this question as a listener. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so why don't you give us your best shot,
0: and then I have some follow up questions about Ballers. So, th- okay. Well, this question is from an, a uh, Alyssa. So Alyssa, thank you. Um. hmm <laughs> Where do I begin? I could
1: and how are we talking about crazy? Are we thinking like defies logic the most or like most shocking?
0: What are you thinking here? I'm thinking shocking and kind okay. of just like like red wedding like well, status of an event, yeah, just over the top, okay, um so I, I mean I could probably do a whole thing about just the first three episodes of of <laughs> this of this current season, because um, this whole season has been kind of complete 180 of what Ballers has always been. Um, and what has Ballers always been for those who don't? So if you haven't seen Ballers, show. yeah, on HBO, it's starring uh, The Rock. He plays this really successful. He used to be a former NFL player. Now he does a lot of the agency for them. So he'll sign deals, he'll work out contracts. Um, he's pretty much it's showing you kind of the the administrative back end side of what it, it might actually be to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, they, it, it co-stars a lot of actual athletes in the movie, and he plays their agent, or they'll come visit his agency, and he kind of helps them out with um, either contracts or maybe there's like a social media incident that's happening he kind of takes the reins of that and kind of controls the situation hmm. um,
1: so besides the craziest thing that
0: happened on the show what do you think is like the coolest or craziest cameo from so as a cameo so i really i really enjoyed when odell beckham jr was on the show Oh, okay being a I'd say a fan of of the of the New York Giants having him on the team and kind of showing his antics. It kind of translated pretty well to <laughs> the Ballers show and kind of like what happens on the show if you act the way that he does in real life, and the consequences. So it made that it kind of believable yeah um so the rock so right now rock the rock is buying the Kansas City Chiefs with funding from Toby. From the West, from The West Wing. If you ever seen that show, no. Um, I thought you were gonna say The Office. No, <laughs> 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 that would be a really boring transaction. Yeah, so he's like, he's trying to buy the the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, not long after trying to pretty much like strong arm USC into a recruiting based TV deal, mm. and and Russell Brand. Is in it? <laughs> He's running this extreme sports marketing firm. Um, this all sounds like they could be real life events. An all pro, <laughs> like yeah, like defensive lineman for the Cowboys. Um, he, uh, what's his name? Um, Craig Hardy. Sean. Something. Marcus Lawrence. Sean Lee. Yeah, Sean Lee. Um, is thinking about retiring, to become a. Fr- a professional gamer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore plays a character named boss man who owns the Cowboys. (laughs) And it's like, it's, he's so clearly like a stand in for Jerry Jones, like a a parody of Jerry Jones. Might as well just go ahead and say it. And then (laughs) he's just like drunk all the time with one lazy (laughs) eye. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington. He plays a flashy, wide receiver who tested positive for for steroids recently and mm. he signed a pretty like lucrative contract anyway and then immediately after hearing about the contract he got hit by a car on Odeo drive <laughs> oh God. so i like sean david washington yeah he's pretty good um it's maybe those are just my examples the show is yeah. it's really cool it's flashy it's fun to watch but again it's kind of gotten away from like all those things i described were just from like this most recent season okay. like the first like 3 or 4 seasons of the of the series is a little bit more realistic and mm-hmm. serious um where it kind of seems like now they're just kind of going over the top with the world of professional athletes and still a great show, don't get me wrong. But you'll enjoy it more if you kind of take it for for what it is and don't take yeah. it as serious, I guess.
1: Well, I feel like you're dodging Alyssa's question here. What have we identified the craziest moment in
0: baller's history? The craziest moment in baller's history. Um has got
1: to be one that stands out. We got to we got to get Alyssa her answer.
0: <laughs> um I would say well there was a scene I think in season 1 or season 2 where it was a sex scene between The Rock and his wife and it was like you got a pretty v- nice view of The Rock's ass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like uh like James Franco's character from that room movie the yeah. <laughs> Disaster artist.
0: Yeah, so so I would say so that was pretty intense, but I think the craziest one that I can <laughs> think of. Wait, is this his real life wife or like his T V wife? T V wife. Oh. I wonder how Mrs. The Rock felt about that. Yeah, so there there is a lot of sex in in this show. So I mean, that's just HBO, Ed, Ed, right? Yeah, it's HBO, so <laughs> what are you gonna do about that? Um Another crazy thing is they have like actual NFL names and logos. Like franchise oh. logos in them in the show. Which, like they're able to use like the licensing for a team's logo and stuff. Yeah, so that may not be mm. the right definition of crazy moment, but for me it's like for a show that depicts the world of NFL pros as one, like all the temptation mm-hmm. and danger, and like all these issues that are going on, it's surprising that they've been allowed to mention like specific teams outright. Sure, to me, but yeah, um, the most sh- surprising or crazy thing is probably gonna be what happens in episode one of season one, or maybe yeah. So this is not really, I guess, a spoiler, but pretty much there's a character's death happens within the first, like, few minutes. I think it's, like, scene two. Great way to start a show. Yeah, and it's a surefire way to pretty much grab an audience's attention as well. Sure. Um, but pretty much they – it's about – this guy he's driving on the road with his girlfriend in the, in the seat next to him. And he's, they're doing some things that they probably shouldn't while he's driving. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, His car goes right into an oncoming truck and it like cuts to the rocks character speaking at his funeral, oh, um, geez. talking about like the dark side of being a professional athlete and, um, Cause I guess the rock kind of has a little bit of experience in this world because he was oh, was it like on the dolphins or something. Was he really? I know he played like professional football up until a certain point. Yeah. I think I he was know. on the dolphins because this show I think is set in Miami. Okay. That makes and, sense. And he like got an injury or something that kind of plays yeah. into the show as well. But yeah. So <laughs> I feel opening, like he could... death.
1: <laughs> Antonio Brown would be an interesting crossover in the ballers universe.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have He's... you seen the latest with him? He is just like, out of control. Has he always been that way and just no one's noticed? Or is this something that's new? Um, I don't know. I mean, some of the crazy
1: things he does or says has people speculating that it's like mental illness. Possibly brought about from concussions and things like that. But, And I mean, I don't think people are too far off with that, but i mean some of his recent i mean even his agent scott boris who's like big time represents a lot of big time athletes in and mlb free agency actually represented three guys whose con- new contracts totaled over like a billion dollars something like that yeah he rep—he represents antonio brown and even he was like he need like i'm not gonna help represent him until he gets help that he needs so even his agent i guess is bought into this idea that it's like some sort of mental illness yes yeah it's pretty unfortunate. I don't know it's like hard because you don't necessarily want like you see some of his stuff that's overtly just like like he was cussing out his baby mama on IG live the other day like that it's hard to like really empathize with someone in that situation but like oh, like yelling at the police you, if, yeah mm-hmm.
0: but if you really do like I don't know it's, it's complicated but anyways yeah, if he has like a serious issue then it's, it's sad yeah. and he needs help um, but li- at least in like the public sphere, no one knows
1: if he's like afflicted with something, Mm-mm.
0: right? So, it's pretty crazy. No, I mean, I guess that's a poor word choice. <laughs> 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 Oops, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh jeez. So does that do it for our listener mail? Yeah. So that's all we have for um for this week. Again, you don't always have to send us like hypothetical questions. You can just maybe ask us general questions. That's fine, too. But um, thanks for the creativity, and hopefully we answered your questions. Yeah, that was fun. So did you have anything you wanted to wrap up? We're kind of creeping on an hour right now. Um,
1: yeah, I figured. So last week we talked about awards you know, after the mm-hmm. Golden Globes and everything, and I think it would be good. Maybe give a little update into our, you know, kind of thoughts and how the, the other awards season developments have kind of changed our view on things. So um, this past weekend, we had the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and the Producers Guild Awards, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our two front runners for Best Picture 1917 and Parasite both have kind of made some headway. In the race for best picture so 1917 won uh, Best Picture at the Producers, like the Producers Guild Awards and Parasite has kind of been making history the past couple months being the first Korean film to be nominated for Best Picture in the Golden Globes Um, and now it just won Best Ensemble uh, at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, essentially the ensemble being the cast of main characters. Um, in the film, which which I would have to agree with, probably was the best ensemble on screen this year, um, with the uh, sort of central family of characters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, really propelling a lot of the events on screen. Um, but basically, you know, what the press has been saying is that the winners of these two awards usually have a pretty good, they're sort of like a bellwether indicator of the best picture award. Um, so it put, it puts both in a pretty good spot to contend for that major award come the beginning of February in the Oscars. Um, I wonder, does that change your thoughts at all on your predictions, Kyle? I think you had predicted Parasite to win Best Picture.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm sticking with Parasite. Um, again, for the reasons I mentioned in the last episode, um, if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and check it out. Um, we kind of go over who we think some of the bigger Oscar nominations and winners are going to mm-hmm. be. Um, so I made that prediction of of Parasite winning, and that was even before I saw 1917. Yeah. I think I saw 1917, like, the night after we recorded, maybe even the next day. I think that's right. And it's, it's a little bit more... The scale, for me, is weighing a little bit more evenly... Than what I originally thought. I don't know. Now that you've seen <laughs> 1917, yeah. So now that I've actually seen 1917 and had time to kind of think about it and and see kind of its impact on 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 the the current times of like the the awards and of people watching the movie and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's if it's enough to outweigh Parasite for me from a Cinematic approach, I guess um it's also hard because they're just two completely different movies,
1: yeah, so I'm, they are I mean tackle such different like themes right, and so they're they're mm, just
0: different filmmaking styles too I would say if i if I hadn't seen either of the movies, then the other one would mm-hmm. be my choice for winner, so if I haven't seen Parasite then clearly nineteen seventeen is the best movie of the year of anything else that I've seen and then vice (laughs) versa. If I, if 1917 hasn't come out, then Parasite's the best thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. And it was actually a pretty cool moment on stage at the SAG awards. They, the ensemble of Parasite got like an overt standing ovation from, you know, basically this audience of actors and directors and producers and something that is like pretty rarely seen. So, I mean, you can almost see how, much support Parasite has from like Hollywood itself and I mean that's I guess the audience of people you really want the most support from if you're going to contend for an award
0: right and then you have as you mentioned um, at the Producers Guild Awards Mm -hmm. on Saturday um, we had such a huge appreciation for 1917 and and for Sam Mendes and it's going to be interesting to definitely say the least who kind of comes out on top and and hopefully it's these two because to be honest the other nominees for best picture i just i can't see there being any reason for them to win over these two movies
1: yeah i think that expansion to 10 nominees a few years ago was really to allow kind of some more nods to films that like performed pretty well during the year but yeah, these two definitely seem like the front runners just from like an emotional and like even more logical or analytical perspective.
0: Mhm. And then I saw um actually from on Twitter um I guess I don't know who this is. Ben Zausmer. He's like mm-hmm. he's really into metrics and he has his own book called Oscar metrics and he pretty much like uses math to predict like award shows and he actually, yeah. So he actually tweeted and send and tweeted and said that 68% of the best picture at the producers guild award go on to win best picture at the Oscars. Yeah. So I guess that would kind of set up, um,
1: 1917 is that favorite for best picture winner, right? So, I think that same guy last year had um, green not green book, uh, because green book ended up winning, but I think he had Roma as the like statistical favorite to win best picture, and pretty sure green book won, but I might be mistaken there, but Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, I'm more of definitely like an analytical or like logical mind. And if someone can present me with
0: numbers like that, I'll usually trust them. (laughs) (laughs) And it seems like I would say 1917 is probably like it's a solid neutral choice for a winner. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it doesn't really press some of the issues that maybe Parasite had in its filming. Um, But I'm not going to be upset with either either one that wins yeah I think it was like you said
1: um, the year that Moonlight won over La La Land like La La Land was really out there and just kind of that like safe choice for best picture Mm -hmm. and Moonlight tackled some more like evocative themes that you know kind of ran through the thread of sort of American society and the things that were kind of present in in society at the time Mm -hmm. to me Parasite would be sort of the equivalent of like a Moonlight winning in 1917 would be like La La Land or Green Book winning where it's like everybody kind of saw it coming and it was kind of the safe choice. Yeah. No, I definitely agree on that. Um, um, but besides that, we also saw, like, to me, I think Brad Pitt, I, I know I talked about Al Pacino potentially being um, a strong front-runner for the Supporting Actor Award, but Brad Pitt has, like... I don't think he's lost a single award he's been nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for. Jeez. Um, for and he won again at the SAG Awards, so... Um, I think he might be
0: kind of a shoo-in for the Best Supporting Actor Award. Yeah. No, for sure. And then... Um, just I know we talked... This is kind of backtracking. We talked about Philip Rivers earlier and and, oh, yeah. Tom, and Tom Brady, but I just saw... On Twitter, um a quote from Stephen A. Smith. He's saying if Tom Brady is serious about leaving the Patriots, he needs to sign with the Titans. Yeah, I saw that on first take this morning. What is what do th- you think of that? That I mean I mean we I, I mentioned earlier the receiving core for Titans, it's not bad. Yeah. Um the running game obviously would be remarkably better than what he has now. Or what he's ever had, really? What he's ever I mean, had? T- yeah, I can't even, I can't even name like a dominant. Remember when
1: Patriots <laughs> running Ben back. Jarvis Greenellis was the running back for <laughs> like four years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I geez. think they've been with Sony Michelle the past two years.
0: Like they've never had like a really game changing runner. Right. But, I think I think it's not a bad choice if maybe they can get a little bit more, out of their defense yeah the Patriots defense is really solid, and I think that's what really helps propel Tom Brady to obviously play his best game is <laughs> you know not always having to be on the field they're like they they stop they stop their opponents pretty well, so I think it's just a good a good fit for any quarterback really to have a pretty solid defense that gives you that time to be on the bench to to kind of recoup but also you're not stuck on the bench for eight minutes like the titans normally do to their opponents
1: yeah and your defense is put, puts you in a position to win or at least be competitive right but yeah i mean i i heard that take this morning too and it like that seems to me almost like kevin durant leaving the warriors or leaving the thunder to join the warriors after getting beat by the warriors mm-hmm. you know like they obviously lost to the Titans in the divisional round this, or actually it's the wild card round this year. So leaving a team to go to the team that beat you seems like something that would really piss off what are pretty like emotional and like they wear their hearts in their sleeves Boston Patriots and like Patriots fans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but like it does kind of seem to make sense. You know, he's he used to play with Mike Vrabel, um, right. and obviously they have that kind of relationship there where like. Honestly, I feel like Tom Brady would almost like subvert Mike Vrabel a little bit because Mike (laughs) Vrabel was basically like taking shots from Tom Brady when he was in New England, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But wherever he ends up, uh, I don't
0: know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But that wraps up this week's um, table side chat, if you would. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. this weekend coming up, I don't know if we have a schedule for what we're going to be talking about yet. Uh, I know tonight I'm seeing Bad Boys for Life. Um, just kind of a fun action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can't really think of anything else out right now. I I feel like I've, I've seen everything.
1: I'm going to be traveling to New York this week, mm-hmm. so I might be able to review some airplane movies yeah and then i think the plan is to see um at least one of the movies that are out um kind of recently this weekend when i'm back i really want to see underwater i know you saw that one yep um but that one looked intriguing um but yeah we'll we'll have plenty to talk about next week
0: yeah and then if not we'll uh (laughs) figure it out yes sir all right well thanks again for listening again if you are on itunes spotify google play please uh leave us a review that helps us out with um the metrics that they have with finding episodes and placement and all that fun stuff on Anchor. thanks again you can send us those messages um, or even reach us on twitter at coast podcast and for now we will talk at you next time see you then bye